Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Attention to Detail. I am joined again by my fabulous co-host, Hannah Reffitt. Hannah, how's it going today? It's great. How are you, Jacob? Very good. I, uh, I had a fun time recording our last pod on uh, silence, and it kind of got me in a just general philosophical mood thinking about uh, what music actually is. And uh, since we have plenty of time to do that these days, I figure, you know, why not take some time during the pandemic to figure out the thing that I do for a career, what that actually is. So I figured we could do another episode or maybe even more after this, but I wanted to do another episode where we talk about kind of one of the fundamental elements of music, which a lot of people I think might not think of as a fundamental element of music, but that's the concept or idea of randomness. And so Hannah, just off the bat, when I ask you, can music be random? What does that kind of inspire in you to think about? Do you do you think about, and if you can think of any things that stick out to you as random elements in music right off the bat, yeah, what does that question uh, invoke for you? Yeah, I think one of the first things that I thought of when you, you told me that we were going to be talking about this today, the concept of randomness in music was... Um, Remember when we had for gala at the ISO when we worked together, we had uh, Alma Deutscher as a guest who's a young, for the listeners that aren't familiar with the name, she's a very young composer um, from Europe. And she brought this piece with her that was inspired by street sounds and developed those street sounds into a little, um, overture. And I think that concept at the time really had me thinking about, okay, what is music in a sense? And then also a piece that I, you sent to me that we were going to talk today that I also thought about was the Ludoslavsky cello concerto, which I had the pleasure of seeing performed live. And that was very early into my, um, uh, beginnings of, with classical music as a listener. And I remembered sort of struggling to understand that piece, but then the further along I came with my listening to classical music and then, and then, um, you know, work like this, this podcast of listening attentively, it's really developed the ways in which I think about what makes music music um, anyway, that's a long spiel of an answer, but it's, I think it's one that almost like the last time we spoke is going to be very difficult to answer as to like, does randomness make in music, make it music. And I think for my take, I think that there is definitely a balance between the order and the randomness, um, to, classify whatever that piece is as music yeah well let's let's see if we can uh figure that out a little bit more over the course of the episode today that's that's our goal um and you've segued great into our first kind of clip or discussion uh what you said about Alma Deutscher being inspired by the noise of traffic actually brings me to an idea from we talked a little bit about John Cage on our last podcast, and 
uh, I want to talk a little bit more about John Cage now because there's this quote from John Cage. Uh, I'll even just read a little bit about it. He said, um, it's a long speech, but, but he, um, he says that the philosopher Kant said that there are two things in the world that don't have to mean anything, music and laughter. Uh, they don't have to mean anything because they give us deep pleasure even without meaning something. And so he said, the sound experience, which I prefer to all others, is the experience of silence, like our, our last pod was talking about. And silence almost everywhere in the world now is traffic. If you listen to Beethoven or Mozart, you see they are always the same. But if you listen to traffic, you see it's always different. And so the argument here and a common argument cited from Cage is that he felt that the noise of traffic was a sort of music. And you've let us, I think both of the claims that he made there are, they merit examination. One of them, that when you listen to Beethoven or Mozart, you see they're always the same. I want us to listen and, and explore that idea. But also, you listen to traffic and you see it's always different. I want us to think about that as well. So the goal is we're going to listen to a series of, of clips of potentially music to try to isolate if music can be random, if so, what can be random or what can't be random, and kind of try to come up with a line. I don't know that we'll come up with a hardcore definition, but we'll try to kind of think about this question. And so what I want you to do, Hannah, and all of our listeners can do this as well, I'm actually going to leave about 30 seconds of silence on this podcast, and I want our listeners to listen to the ambient noise around them. And for each of our listeners, this will be different. And in some way, I would say random. You know, you're never going to be able to replicate the ambient sounds that you hear in just a second. Again, there will be something in those sounds that's different from any other experience you've ever had and irreplicable. So Hannah, I want you to do that. I'm going to do the same. And let's come back and just talk about our experience in about 30 seconds, listening to ambient noise around us. All right, so I certainly had a, a interesting experience, but Hannah, what did you actually hear in that that silence? Yeah, I mean, for only thirty seconds, it's just crazy how how much activity there is around you. And I am still out in rural Indiana right now, and there we have probably three neighbors in our vicinity, within maybe like a half a mile radius, I might say. And, but still there's, I heard three cars go by and a semi truck go by. And then my parents, I can hear them rooms away having a conversation. Um, and then I also heard the static, um, in my AirPods from the recording. And then I heard, um, the furnace going on in our house. So just quite a lot of activity. Um, and what's supposed to be silence. 
Yeah, I um, similar experience. I heard some creaking upstairs. I heard a car go by. Um, you know, a few other little sounds here and there. And one thing that struck me. I mean, let's talk about whether we felt that was a musical or just kind of purely sonic experience, and if there's a distinction between the two. But one thing I, I noticed is before I I prompted us to listen to that, I mentioned that you know this sound will never be replicable again. And it's funny because I heard a car go by and hearing that car go by felt like so many other experiences I've had listening to a car go by. But yet I know there's, if I listen really, really closely, there's something about that car sound that's different. You know, it's driving on a slightly slicker or drier road. It's a different weight of a car a different temperature outside and so that car sound kind of felt like what I've been used to so many times another car sound but there are intricate differences in there that that I'll never hear again um in any case that's something just to preview a little bit of what we'll talk about later but I'm curious Hannah any impressions on did that feel in any way like a musical experience or did that feel just like listening to the sound around you yeah, I mean, in this instance, it definitely felt like I was just listening to the noises around me. I think if we get philosophical about it, we could probably interpret it as art and then therefore, you know, classify it then as music, sort of in, in that sense. But right now, I'm just going to say that that's, those were the noises around me. Yeah, I, I think I'm... 100% with you on that. Um, that's where I fall on this, this question as well, but we'll, uh, we'll explore it a little bit more. So the next thing we're going to listen to now is also random sound that could never be replicated again. For the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to play a recording which has codified these sounds, and so it's important to know that the recording element brings this whole other question because recordings inherently are not random. They reproduce exactly the same performance over and over. But this is a piece, we'll pretend like it's not a recording. This is a piece by John Cage called Radio Music. And in this piece by John Cage, he's got radios playing at the same time. And uh, they're tuned to different frequencies. And it's just radio noise and the interaction of those frequencies together. And so the question now is, this seems to be effectively like random ambient noise, just like the traffic sounds we just heard. But this has been called a piece of music by John Cage, and he's decided that he wanted to write a piece um, with, you know, 12 radios or whatever. So does that make a difference? It's kind of getting at this question of if Duchamp puts a snow shovel in a museum, is that art versus any snow shovel on the street? So let's listen to this piece by John Cage, Radio Music, and let's try to see if this gives us any other kind of feeling of, of musicality over just the ambient noises that we listened to a minute ago. So here's Radio Music by John Cage. And it, and it and it really helps. 
absolutely, because it's not just it's immediate crisis intervention. So, uh, you know, at the stage of reporting rape, it's an extremely traumatic time for that victim. Um, so, not only can we try to take some of the fear out of the process, explain what's going to happen for them. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, so Hannah, hearing that piece by John Cage, Radio Music, what were your impressions of that and comparing that to your experience of the ambient noise? Um, I think it's far more philosophical. I think it definitely, like the shovel example that you made earlier, it made me think like, oh, I could definitely see myself hear this at MoMA, for example. Um, and it's, it's very contemplative. It really makes you think like, okay, well, what it, it does ask the question, what is music? Um, is it music to me? Again, I think it's almost like how I answered the ambient noise that I just heard, like by classification, I do think that it is art in a sense where it's creative and it makes you think. And therefore, categorically, it is music. So therefore, it's music and art, if that makes sense. Kind of makes sense. I, yeah. I, I struggle with this one, too. I think this is, you know, this is one of the kind of fundamental philosophical questions of aesthetics is, you know, um, what is music? What is art? And are these type of things allowed? I do think um, there is something about calling something an artistic act that that puts it more in the realm of being music. But uh, I struggle with this one, especially because I feel like it's very similar to if we were to sit down and say, just in someone's living room and say, hey, we should just listen to the quality of the radio right now really closely. Not to the content, but... And I'm not sure that that to me is so much different from John Cage's radio music. In mm. any case, this is something for our listeners to think about, but let's trudge along because there's a lot more, uh, there's many more examples that, that I want to talk about um, to kind of get the, the thought juices flowing. And the next one is a question about, so what we've heard so far doesn't involve any sort of musical notes per se. You know, one of the factors that we might think about um, as being determinative of something being music is that it has notes, maybe notes that are arranged in a scale of some kind, or that's what we're used to when hearing music. So my next question is, are random notes music? And so for this, Hannah, I've, I've sent you a link to a random music generator that will just spit out it's like a random number generator it will spit out a random string of notes and i want you to listen and tell me if you think your random string of notes is music i will insert a random one into this podcast uh, in the post production and everyone can listen to it and i'm curious what you know our listeners should do the same exercise but Give it a try and just listen to a random string of notes and see if it is a more, less, equal musical experience for you as this radio music by John Cage.
All right. So, Hannah, did you listen to a random string of notes and, and how did it feel? I felt like I was in like an 80, 80s video game and it had a theme to it. Like <laughs> it was it was music, but it was just very thematic, I suppose. Interesting. So so you felt like that was definitely a some sort of musical experience. My brain definitely identified it as music. Okay. Yeah. So then I think that's interesting. I mean, we're using a random music generator that is, of course, using a very tonal diatonic scale. And these combinations are going to sound somewhat harmonious, but they've literally been produced by a random number generator. So the thought with that is if, if we feel like that is music, then that has enormous implications. That means that computers can produce music that means that um you know we could just we could uh, a computer could just produce every combination of possible notes and those could be the the musical pieces that exist and and uh there's actually a really interesting um there's a book i forget who it's by i think it's by borges or something maybe it's a short story um and it's about this it it's it's a book that's written in Spanish and I can't remember what it is but it's about this hypothetical library that that includes it's like this infinite library that includes all of the possible combinations of words and so in that library is Don Quixote and Hamlet and you know Othello all of these great works of literature but they've just been produced by the function of this library having every word combination possible. Um, And it's this great kind of examination of this phenomenon is something that's, that randomly comes about and not a product of human creation still as good as Cervantes's Don Quixote, or is there a difference? Um, And yeah, that I kind of think of that in this random music example, but I think it's it's interesting that you you definitely hear this one one as music, and I mean, in a certain way, I tend to agree. I think that um, it definitely has a more musical quality for me. I'm not sure that I would say it is music, but I don't know that I know the answer to any of these questions. Um, so next one we've got, and this is a really interesting one because another thing that music involves very frequently is repetition and music like very few things in the world repeats often. We've actually done a podcast about this with one of the foremost music re- uh, cognitive science researchers in the country, Elizabeth Margulis on the uh, phenomenon of repetition. Um, but there's this really, and we talked about this on that podcast. There's this really interesting thing called the speech to song illusion And I'm going to put that in this podcast. And Hannah, I want you to listen to that now, the speech to song illusion. It's a really fascinating thing. And I want you to just listen and you'll hear exactly what what it sounds like. Speech, when repeated, starts to to sound like song. And so my question to you is, is is this person singing? Are they talking? Both. Um, So let's listen to this speech to song illusion to get at this phenomenon of of repetition in music. Because, of course, 
the idea with this as it relates to randomness is that speech is, again, in some way, random. You're never going to hear someone say something the exact same way twice. There's always going to be some little different inflection in their voice. They might have woken up a little late that morning. It's a little raspier. You know, whatever whatever goes into the quality of voice, you'll never quite hear them say the same thing twice. So can speech, which is inherently somewhat random, also be music? Let's Let's think about that as we listen to this speech to song illusion. The sounds as they appear to you are not only different from those that are really present, but they sometimes behave so strangely as to seem quite impossible. But they sometimes behave so strangely, they sometimes behave so strangely, 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 sometimes behave so strangely. All right, so what about that one, Hannah? You listen to uh, someone there who, who talks, and then slowly but surely it feels like it's, it's such a cool illusion. But what are your thoughts on that one? My mind was blown. Like, my first, the first time I, yeah, I thought this was the coolest thing that I've, like, encountered in, like, recent weeks, honestly, that um, my, the first time I heard it, I 100% just heard spoken word. And then within that clip, they start to do the repeating of that phrase. And all of a sudden, I hear it being sung. And then I, and then I'm like, wait, wait, wait. And so I went back and like, I re-listened to the beginning of that recording. And even that phrase, I heard it being sung. It's just like, how? Yeah, once you once you hear the repetition, you can't, you can't unhear it. it. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it's such a funny and interesting one. I I, uh, I I find it fascinating, but it gets at this um, this element of music, which is is repetition. But I think, would you agree that when you when you heard that the first time, there's an element of of randomness to that speech that inherently makes it feel like there's no way this is, is music. Yeah. Well that correct. And then I also like had, was struggling to understand what it was that that person was saying or like trying to bring across. So that also was sort of random to me. Yeah. It's, I, I think that one is fascinating, but it gets at another element of music. Uh, what, what makes music because there are tons of experiments where they play for people environmental sounds that when they get repeated and they're, they ask to, they're asked to rank these on a scale from purely environmental sounds to purely musical. And as they just repeat these environmental sounds, they have a certain, certain rhythm, certain pitch. And by repeating them, they just start to become more musical for people. So I actually think that repetition, which takes out this element of randomness, is also a real key player in what might determine what is actually music and what is what we might think of as environmental sound. So now we're getting into more of, of kind of the standard music that we might hear in a concert hall. Um, 
And now we're going to listen to something that's controlled randomness. So this is no longer a random num uh, note generator. But now we've got a piece by Ludislavsky, who was a huge proponent of randomness in music. In fact, he there's a thing in music called Ludislavsky boxes, which are this type of notation that all professional musicians are familiar with, where you're instructed to play a certain sequence of notes at random and in your own time. Well, you're supposed to play them in order, but in your own time, and so it creates this... There's, there's randomness introduced into the process. And a lot of 20th century and 21st century composers used these kind of techniques to introduce a certain element of randomness into their music. So let's listen to this. We're going to listen to two recordings of the Ludislavsky cello concerto, a little portion, and we'll listen to them back to back. And the reason why I want us to listen to them, to two of them, is because you'll notice they, they will sound different. And so my question to you, Hannah, is how different do they actually sound to you as opposed to if we were to listen to two random note-generated melodies or something like that? Um, because at any given time, the, the sounds that you'll be hearing will inherently be different from the other recording because the performers are introducing this element of randomness. Um, how different do these sound to you? And our question of the day, does this feel like music? So let's listen to two questions, uh, two, excuse me, let's listen to two recordings of Ludislavsky's cello concerto with these questions in mind. Do these sound different? How different? And do we count this passage as music or just as chaos? So, Hannah, what's your thought on those two recordings of the Ludislavsky cello concerto? We've got trumpets come in and they, they kind of announce their entrance. And that, to me, sounds pretty similar. But then there's kind of this chaos. And I'm curious what you thought about, especially that moment, but the whole, the whole passage. Um, 
to me, it's controlled chaos. I think um, it is very random and it's and it's very jarring to hear because our minds look for order and we look for predictability. And when we don't receive anything like that, our minds sort of like you freak out because you don't you don't know what it is. So I think as a listener, just, you know, as in anything that comes to you in life that is out of control and bizarre, you just accept it and you carry carry on. <laughs> I like that. That's like a that's a very meta uh, psychological interpretation of this. That's that's good. I think been reading a lot of therapy books in quarantine, my man. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's I mean, that's great. Listen, Ludoslavsky, the ultimate just teacher of how to accept things out of your control i guess mm. yeah that's it's a great exercise as a conductor just you know let how this do happen. you even conduct that like i remember seeing this perform live and just thinking like how do you even because it's not just brass there's also you've got the, the cellist performing as well and yeah. they're far apart from each other yeah you just give one cue to the brass and then they do their thing it's actually like, it's like the easiest thing to conduct oh. you don't even have to keep tempo you just go go ahead um i played it's funny i played an entire piece one time where the conductor's only job was to hold up some number of fingers because it was it was this uh it was a random piece like this and basically instead of meter or notes or anything like I mean there were notes but instead of any sort of tempo or rhythm or you just played what you had at any given number in the score and then waited mm -hmm. until the next number was raised so if you uh. played something at number one you started when the conductor held up number one and then at any tempo you wanted and when you finished you go on to the next one um that's another piece that we could have listened to on this podcast. But I'm curious. So for me, I think that's we're getting very much into the territory of of music. And it feels like that is music, but somehow music that is meant to express some sort of chaos or randomness. And that's a weird line to try to define. But I think, you know, the controlled chaos that you mention, I mean there is a real element of organization to that. They're all playing mm -hmm. a sequence of notes. And I, I want to ask you also about, you know, I think part of what gets at this question is how different did you feel the experience from one to the next actually was? I mean, you can tell the difference between the two recordings, but the content in the two recordings is the same. So to me, it's the same music. It's just different performances. I, it's yeah. I'm having difficulty answering the question. But. No, no. But I think this is this is a really interesting distinction here too because I think we hear those and realistically they sound very similar, but they're not the same by any means. And they're not only not the same notes at the same time. I mean, they're not the same tempos or whatever. Um, we contrast that with. We could hear traffic noise and an ambulance could go by or, you know, two semis could go by or there could be a honk or something. And in our minds, we'd categorize, we'd classify all of that together as traffic noise. And I think more often than not, we wouldn't really notice what could be massive, massive differences in the experience of traffic noise. It just all would get clumped under traffic noise. This sounds like the Ludoslavsky cello concerto. 
and the differences are are still there, um, but they're much less. And so it seems like maybe some element of music is saying that there's only a certain amount of randomness that can be introduced or, or something like that. It's a very, very hard question. Um, and what, what that amount is, is what we're trying to think about on this podcast. So mm. I've got one more thing for you to can say. I ask, yeah, of sorry, course. can I ask a question before we move on? Yeah. And you might not remember this, but having studied this particular score, how is that part written for the brass? Is it, written to just you know have at it be random yeah so so what happens is you hear those three trumpets and they come in they play so those entrances are you kind of see them unfold on the score the score is like a linear time progression and clearly one is supposed to come in and stop and then the next one is supposed to come in and stop and the next one is supposed to come in and stop those pauses are indeterminate lengths um, but that's what's supposed to happen. And then there's, it's notated that these three trumpet players are supposed to play the sequence of notes and rests. And the first one is supposed to come in first. The second one is the third one's supposed to come in second. And the second one's supposed to come in third. That's clear in the score, but it just kind of says ad lib after they play the sequence. So you play a sequence and then you go back to the beginning and it's intended to be this kind of it unfolds over a certain amount of time and then you cut it off and it ends. But the tempo is up to those players. The length of pause is up to those players. Um, and so it's kind of notated as this, the, the linear line on, on the score is this temporal map. It's like a timeline, which is kind of how music always is, but usually we have measures and tempos and, and this doesn't have those. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a super interesting score to look at. Even it's just it looks very very different from from most musical scores. Um, fascinating piece, but let's do one more piece now. And I think hopefully all of us, if if we can't agree that this is music, then we're we're in in real trouble. Um, this is uh, Midsummer Night's Dream Overture by Mendelssohn, and I want you to listen to again two recordings of the same piece. And I want us to listen. Hopefully the second question will answer itself here. I'd, I'd like to think this is music, but how different do these sound to you? And do you notice any elements of what we might think of as randomness or what's the difference? Do you recognize these as the same piece and can you isolate any differences? So let's listen again for our listeners. We'll play two recordings back to back of a little clip of Mendelssohn's Midsummer Night's Dream Overture. Okay, so Hannah, those two recordings, do they, hopefully we recognize them in some way as, as the same piece, but, but what's your thought uh, on the, any differences between those? Yeah, the second clip that you sent me was faster than the first. That was the biggest difference that I could tell. But they both 
had the like flurry of activity that I would describe the clip that you sent me. Yeah, for sure. But I think you isolated the biggest difference, which is that of tempo. And I think mm. the tempo of these is is drastically different and in some way affects the character of the the piece, right? Did it did it yes. sound in any way did the faster one sound more sprightly or something to you? Oh, it sounded far more stressed to me. And just as <laughs> as someone from the theater, I can't help but think about the play Midsummer Night's Dream and think about, oh, well, this sort of makes sense based on the plot of the play and how quirky it is. And um, so one is far more stressful than, than the first that you sent me in a sense where the first one felt more um, almost like idyllic. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, that's interesting to me because actually I hear, I don't know that I, I would have heard it as stressed and this is, this mm. is, I mean, it's just an interesting, uh, this is what we're all about here is, is I, I have a new lens on this piece. Now I hear it as like, I, I'm inclined to take that very fast tempo because I hear it as this very kind of sprightly fairy, like, um, kind of evocation of when they go in the forest and it's this other world of, Titania and Oberon mm. and fairies and um but yeah it also could be kind of nervous energy it could be it's very interesting in any case that's a tangent what we're trying to mm. talk about is um the tempo and the fact that you know these are two different renditions of what we think of as the same piece just like the Ludoslavsky the difference here is that no notes are lining up differently there's no different intervals that we're hearing of two notes at the same time. There's no um, variation between moments in the tempo. But the choice of tempo is something that's been left to the performer, and it differs greatly in these two recordings. And so that's our last musical clip, but I want us to kind of circle back and think about just some of the factors that can or can't be random in our mind um, in terms of music, it seems like notes may play a role. It seems like, you know, maybe we, we've decided that music needs to have notes the majority of the time. It seems like maybe we've agreed that music has to have a consistent tempo some of the time, but not, not necessarily all of the time. It seems like repetition is a kind of quirk of music that makes a lot of sounds sound more musical. Any thoughts on some of the parameters that we've kind of dealt with here and what you think um, can or can't be random in music now that we've listened to all of these different examples? Well, I think for sure, before this discussion, I was sort of discriminatory against classifying music that was more difficult for my brain to understand that was classified as music which if I'm gonna say that oh that that piece has an artfulness to it and it is art and it just happens to be you know noise and within the within the genre of art it's music then I should be a little bit more open to the possibility of randomness being music and accepting that and then that that philosophy and that thought could have profound ripple effects in 
your day to day um, and and seeing and being almost like more present in your day to day and seeing, you know, how you go about your day as art. Yeah, I think that's uh, you always seem to you, you have a very good uh, personal interpretation of all of these things and uh, self betterment approach, which I like. <laughs> I I also think you've gotten at a really interesting question there, which maybe maybe we'll just have to do a podcast on at some point. But is anything that's art with a capital A um, that relates to sound music? You know, in, in the same way that is, we think of art usually as as kind of visual art um, in a more refined or in a more specific sense. But there's the catch-all of art with a capital A. Is all art that has to do with our visual sense visual art? You know, is is Duchamp's shovel in the same category as Starry Night, or is that a form of art with a capital A, but not really visual art. And in the same way is John Cage's radio music. Is that art, but not actual music or is any music that deals with sound art? I think these are interesting questions that get at to this. uh, They get at this question of randomness. And I would, maybe I'd suggest something to you, Hannah. I, um, I'm, I'm curious what you think about this, but I, uh, in doing some research for, my book, which uh, is hopefully going to come out at some point, I've I have read about a lot of philosophy of language, and this makes me think about the philosophy of um, someone named Wittgenstein, who talked about the meaning of words as being this kind of they have this kind of family meaning, and he used the word game as an excellent example we know what the word game means as a function of all of its kind of uses in society. So if something is a game, we intuitively know it. Um, And you think about, are all games competitive? Not necessarily. Most games are competitive, but there's cooperative games like Pandemic, one of my most favorite (laughs) games. Um, Are all games... Uh, do all games have a winner? Not necessarily. There's the game of life, but everyone can can win at that. Do all games involve uh, people? Not not necessarily. Um, and so the word game has all of these meanings, and it can't actually be defined one single way, but it's kind of a you-know-it-when-you-see-it type of thing because of its use uh, throughout language and it's it's kind of family of uses that's what makes up its definition and it feels to me like maybe something like that is going on here with music there's some randomness that's allowed but not too much um there's some variation in tempo that's allowed but not too much there's some variation in in uh the use of notes but not too much like we could there are pieces that involve you know the crumpling of a newspaper, but we still hear those as music. Um, maybe we need some instruments, but not too many or not necessarily. What do you think about that idea that music kind of you know we can define it as this thing that that uh, gains meaning through our kind of sense of family relations with things that we know to be music? Yeah, I mean, while you were just 
um, saying all of that so eloquently, I was thinking about our listening exercise that we did at the beginning of this, which was listening to just ambient noise around us. And it just made me think like, when we get past this year and we get to 2050 and 2020 is well behind us and we have essentially moved on from our lives 30 years from now, I'll be in my late fifties and will my parents still be around? Uh, probably maybe, but I'll probably reflect on that moment as being very of the ambient noise and where I was at that time and um, the sacredness of that ambient noise of my parents in the background and where I am right now. And to me, that could be classified as, as music in a sense of something meaningful, if I'm not getting too like loopy about it. Listen, I think that's, I mean, Talk about profundity. I think that's a great uh, that's a great point you just made there, which is that you know sometimes musical experiences. I remember concerts that I've seen twenty years ago, not because of the specific performance decisions that they made, but you know I remember the first time I saw Brahms' Second Symphony because of the massive emotional impact that it made on me. And um, so I think what you just said is is a great thing for us to think about, which is that that was completely random sound, but it was random sound that was, uh, imbibed with some form of meaning because you were thinking that that random sound made you think about your parents, where you are right now, that maybe the quaintness of, of living in rural Indiana in 2020 when, you know, everything is hitting the fan. Um, it's a, it's a fantastic thing to think about. Um, and I think all of these questions, you know, we haven't actually achieved anything on, on no, these last I'm two episodes. <laughs> no, but but I think that's part of the point. I mean, the hope of these last two episodes was to just get people thinking a little bit. And I certainly don't have any of the answers. Uh, Hannah probably has more than than I do. But but uh, not I find true. These... I have more questions than answers. <laughs> well, that's good too. I mean, uh, but I think that's. Um, it's interesting to think about randomness in music, to think about silence in music, and maybe we'll maybe we'll have something else that that crops up in the next couple of weeks. But any last thoughts on on this topic, Hannah? I mean, I'm also just thinking like how much music am I walking past in my day to day life that I wouldn't prop I wouldn't classify as music. Do you ever think about that? Like, what am I not? picking up on yeah, I'm not well, like open to I often find I mean when whenever I meditate I think this this is you know this goes into meditation a lot but whenever I meditate it just makes me think about and I have all these you know they're really interesting moments I find when you when you focus very powerfully or, or you know you close your eyes and really listen to the ambient noise around you and that is definitely an element of or whenever I've mindfully eaten before where I take the time to just like really really taste what an apple tastes like or something it makes me think about just how much of my life is spent you know churning through uh you know eating i mean dinner tonight i'm sure i'll just inhale something while i'm watching uh this netflix show on formula one and doing a thousand other things um but how much of our lives are 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 like that um but then on the flip side you know i think about 
I don't know. I mean, I don't know that anyone can have, uh, can live life where just every single moment is some profound artistic experience. Like, I think if you're, if you're so aware all the time, then that awareness becomes the norm and you stop noticing those moments when you pause. And so, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is way far afield from our discussion of, of music, but I, I think it's a, it is an interesting question how much we're, we're just missing all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I really enjoy all these conversations amidst my mundaneness of the end of 2020. So thank well, you so there much you go. For, maybe, yeah. so maybe what you've said is, is good for our listeners here is that, you know, despite all the stuff that's going on, there might be music all around you all the time. And so when in doubt, just, uh, take a listen to the, uh, the world around you, or even better, listen to some actual music. Uh, that's mm. a loaded claim now after our episode, but, but with that, <laughs> Hannah, uh, a pleasure as always. Thanks so much for joining us and, uh, we will see our listeners all soon.